451 with the Song of Invitation, 451. This morning, if you were to think about the pillars of the New Testament, some of those chief Bible characters that we often read and study about, the first person that would no doubt come to your mind would be Jesus. For all things in the Old Testament really somehow in some way point toward Christ. And all things in the New Testament really surround Christ in some way. You might also think about Saul of Tarsus, that man that we knew that lived a life in persecuting Christians. He had one goal, and that was to stamp out Christianity. That man later became Paul. He was converted, and we now know that man that wrote most of the New Testament for us. You also might think about John the Baptist. He was that man that was a forerunner for Christ who came paving the way. He went about teaching repentance and baptism. And in that list, you would no doubt include the man named Peter. And as the sermon title this morning suggests, I want us to look at some lessons that we can learn from the man named Peter. Now, when I say Peter, your mom may be rushing to all the different kinds of situations that Peter found himself in. You might think about the time where Peter walked on water, but just for a few moments, because of his lack of faith, he began to sink. You might think about the time where he drew his sword and he cut off the ear of that guard in the Garden of Gethsemane. You might also think about the time where Jesus gathered together his disciples and he asked the question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they answered him, Some say that you are Elijah, some say that you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But it was Peter that spoke up, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was bold. Or you might think about that time where Peter had the opportunity to preach to those men and women who had just crucified Jesus. In Acts 2.36 it said, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter could really speak boldly. He was confident. And sometimes this worked for him. Sometimes it worked against him. You might think about that time where, G where Peter denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And it's to that scene I want us to look at and see what lessons we can draw from that scene. Now, all four Gospels account for the events that happened that Peter did deny Jesus three times. All four Gospels really, though, tell it in a little bit different way. They all still harmonize, but each Gospel is really written to a different audience. And it's to the book of Luke, Luke 22, that I want us to spend most of our attention if you'd like to follow along. And we'll begin reading in verse 31, which is our scripture reading, 31 verse, uh, through verse 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Now Peter was clear, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And can you imagine to his surprise, Jesus said, Peter, before the day ends and, and um, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know who I am. Peter must have been disheartened about that. As we read the entire story, verse 56 begins to tell us that there was a servant girl who approached Peter. And he accused Peter of being with Jesus, being part of his company. And Peter said, I don't know this man. I don't know who you're talking about. Paraphrasing, of course. This is the first time Peter denied Christ. And there was another who accused Peter. Peter, you were with him. I saw you. And Peter once again said, no, I don't know this man. I'm not sure who you're talking about. That was the second time Peter denied Jesus. 
And about an hour or so passed, and there was yet another who accused Peter. Yes, you were with him. I saw you. And this third time is a little bit unique. Once again, Peter does deny Jesus. He denies that he even knows who this man named Jesus is. Verse 60 tells us, But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while Peter was still saying the very words that denied Christ, the rooster crowed. And as the rooster crowed, verse 61, it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine how Peter felt at this moment in his life? He had just told him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And moments later, he, he, had, he had denied Christ three times, and as he did so, the rooster crowed, and Jesus turned and looked at him. Now, the scriptures don't reveal to us what Jesus was thinking or if he thought anything at all when he looked at Peter. And I want to make it clear that I'm not using a scripture reference here. But can you imagine, as Jesus looked at Peter, one of the thoughts that may have crossed his mind was, Peter, I told you so. Peter, I warned you. I just told you that before the rooster will crows, you will deny three times that you know me. And what makes this situation even more unique is here we have Jesus, God in the flesh, all-knowing and all-powerful, knowing what exactly would happen. And in, in verse 32, he says, But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Lesson number one this morning that I want us to consider is heed the warning. Heed the warning. Peter's first mistakes was that he did not heed the warning that Jesus gave to him. What's the application for us today, for this, this morning? The Bible gives us so many examples and directions of, of how we are to live how we are to act, how we are to love and serve one another. And yet people every single day choose not to obey or listen to his word. Hebrews 9.27 still says that it is appointed for men to die once and after this the judgment. It almost goes without saying that we're each going to face death at some point in our life. Some are young, some are old. But we're each going to face death and after this will be the judgment. And what's going to happen at judgment? The very words and thoughts that we have, the actions that we take in this life, will be judged. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-11 through 11 reads like this. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what He has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Right there is our warning. Each one of us will face Judgment Day someday, and we'll have to give an account for what we've done, how we've spent our time, and how we've served God, if at all. It's a stern warning that the Bible gives us, but it's one that we all need to hear. It's my hope that we can all be heeding the warning, just as Peter did not. Verse 62 in that story tells us that as these things unfolded and happened, that Peter went out and he wept. He didn't just weep, but he wept bitterly. When this life is over and we have come time to face death, can we do it with confidence and reassurance that we have Jesus as our Savior? And at judgment time, are we going to be like Peter and fully realize what we've done in this life, that it hasn't been pleasing to God, and are we going to go out and weep? bitterly I hope that can be said of none of us here this morning Peter made several mistakes though along this way the first one was that he didn't heed the warning 
The book of Luke records some details for us that the other Gospels do not. And I want us to focus our time on that. Reading in verse 54, this is the scene where they had just came and arrested Jesus and led him away. Verse 54 says, Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And they've just uh, taken Jesus away, and where is Peter? Peter's following at a distance. Lesson number two, stay close to Christ. Stay as close as you possibly can to Christ. Peter's second mistake was that he distanced himself from Christ. Where do you find yourself and where do I find myself in relation to Christ right now? Do we cling to him as closely as we possibly can? Or is Jesus so far away that you can't see him you can't hear him, and you can't even talk to him. And it seems like in today's age, there's so much technology that we have different ways of measuring and quantifying just about anything you can think of. So how do we measure our relationship to Christ right now? Put simply, the word is faith. How strong or how weak is your faith this morning? That's how we measure our relationship to Christ. The importance of our faith cannot be underestimated, for it drives everything about who we are and what we do in our, in our daily life. That famous book of Hebrews in chapter 11, the famous chapter of faith, it reads like this. It says, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah by faith Isaac, by faith Moses, and so on, and so on, and so on. We find Bible characters that we often read and study about who faced extraordinarily difficult situations in their life. And they came out victorious. They came out on top. But every person's situation was predicated or based upon faith. They had to have that faith in God, a lasting faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, that, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is, a, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you diligently seek God? Do I diligently seek God? That's how we stay close to Christ. Now there are many things that we could talk about and preach about that would give us lessons on how to stay close. We could talk about prayer and how important that is to always have an open line of communication to God. We talk to him through prayer, and he talks to us through his word. We could talk about the fellowship of other Christians. We could talk about how we're involved in church activities and how often we work. But this morning, I want us to look at some verses about how important God's word is in our life. I think that's the number one thing that we can do and strive to work toward, especially in my life. I know I can do this. Staying close to God's word will help us stay close to Christ. Matthew 4, 4, we have a scene here where Satan is tempting Jesus. He's, he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's hungry. And the devil tempts him. He says, turn these, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus answers, he says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How often do we get caught up in our day-to-day -day life thinking about things that we need here, things that we want in this life? 
we go to work, we go to school, we have friends and family and activities that we do. It's so easy to push out God's word in our life. We can live physically by bread alone. But the point here is that Jesus says that to truly live is to live by every word that proceeds out out of the mouth of God. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If we're going to grow towards Christ and grow closer to him, it says that we are to desire the pure milk of the word. That's this book right here. The very words that God has spoken to us, every word is right here that we need. We are to desire that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. This book is a letter to Timothy that Paul wrote encouraging him. And this, this was written while Paul was in prison. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if we are to present ourselves approved to God, we must rightly divide the word of truth. So many people this day and age claim to know this book and read this book, but they take so much more out of it than what it says, or they add to it. In that same book, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just listen to those things that the, that the Word of God is profitable for in our life, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And all these things add up to what? They add up to a man that's complete a man that is thoroughly equipped for every good work. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. How often do you find yourself throughout the day and night meditating upon God's word? As I just mentioned, we all live busy lives. We have work and school and activities. It's easy for us to let those things push out God in our lives. We're told that we must meditate upon it day and night. And we're told the reason why, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. One of the most important ways that we can possibly utilize to stay close to Christ is his word, to spend time daily in God's word. Peter distanced himself from Christ, and along that pathway, that was one of the reasons that caused him to fall and stumble and deny Christ three times. There was one more major mistake that Peter made along this way. Let's reread verse 54 and continue through verse 55 in the book of Luke, chapter 22. It says, Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire, that's these men that had just led Jesus away, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Peter sat down with the very enemies of God. Lord, I'm ready to go both uh, with you to prison and to death. And just moments later, Peter found himself sitting with the very people that led Jesus away and arrested him. Lesson number three for us is keep good company. 
keep good company. Peter's third mistake was that he sat down with the enemies of God. What kind of people do you find yourself surrounded with in your day-to-day life? Is it the kind of people that can encourage you, they can love you, they can uplift and care and show their concern for you and your family? Or do you find yourself with people that are not doing God's will, that will draw you away further from God's will? I'm not talking about that we shouldn't talk to sinners at all because even Jesus found himself sitting among the tax collectors and the heathens. We do have those chances to talk to people that are sinning, but we must still be careful. It's a lot easier for for one of those people to pull you down than it is for you to pull them up. Let's look at what God's word says about keeping good company. The book of Psalm, chapter 119, verses 115 It says, Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. It's very simple, it's very clear, it's very blunt. Depart from me, you evildoers. Why is it so important? Why is it so important that the evildoers depart from me? Proverbs 13.20 declares, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. How easy is it for us to get into the wrong group of people And before you know it, before you realize it, you're talking the way they talk, you're doing the things that they do, and before you know, you're so far away from God that it's hard to find your way back. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11, it says, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, or an idolater, or a viler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Do not even eat with this person. The message is clear. Stay away from those people that are going to draw you away from God. Steer clear. Verse 13 of that same book, But those who are outside God judges, therefore put away from yourselves the evil person. And probably the most famous of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. As I just said before, how quickly can it happen? How quickly did it happen to Peter? He first found himself at a distance from Christ. Then he found himself sitting with the very men that arrested Jesus and led him away. How quickly did it take Peter to forget what he just said? Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And mere moments later, he's denying Christ three times that he even knows the man. Hebrews 10.25 says that for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I've grown up, many like you, hearing that verse, teaching and preaching that we need to be here when the doors are open. We need to be here for the worship services. And I agree with that. It's true that we we should be here to worship God. But there's so much more to it than that. When we're here inside these walls, just here at Pippin, for an example, we are here with our Christian family. We're here with those people that are of good influence, the people that can encourage us, They can uplift us, they can love us, and help us through whatever situation that we may find ourselves in. How long did it take Peter once he first found himself at a distance and second found himself sitting with the enemies of God to depart from Jesus? It happened just like that. It was so quick. There are many that would call this scene the great downfall of Peter, and that may be true. He was strong. He said, Lord, I will go with you both to prison and to death. 
In just a matter of moments, he found himself denying Christ three times that he even knew the man. But this wasn't the end for Peter. We know that Peter went on to be an elder in the Lord's church. In 1 Peter 5, he exhorted those elders and told them that you are to lead by example and not lord over the people. Peter was a strong man. After Christ was crucified, they placed him in that tomb for three days and three nights, and he arose. And after and on many occasions, he went and he visited with his disciples, and on one occasion, he visited with Peter. I'd like to read from the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Then feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Then tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? At this point, with Peter's personality, it said that he was grieved. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now many say that there is a strong correlation to the events that unfolded here. Three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Three times Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And three times Jesus said, Then feed my sheep. I don't know if there's a correlation there or not, but one thing is clear. Jesus restored Peter in this scene. He gave them the opportunity to reaffirm his love for Jesus and his confidence in Jesus. Aren't we like Peter? Can't we often make mistakes like he did and fail in our life and fall short of the glory of God? It happens so quickly, and it happens before we even realize it most of the time. Do you find yourself making the same mistakes that Peter made? This morning, if you're not a Christian, you've not heeded that warning. You've not listened to the warning that God's Word has given us. If you've heard the good news about Jesus, about Him coming to this earth and dying on that cross for the remission of your sins, if you believe it, then you must confess that before others. You must repent. That means to make a change in your life and start living a life toward, uh, toward God. And then you must be baptized for the remission, for the cleansing of your sins. And after that, you must remain faithful, live a faithful life and dedication to God. But maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've already been baptized at some point. You named Christ as your Savior. You were baptized and you were once faithful. But now maybe you find yourself at a distance from Christ just like Peter did. Or maybe you find yourself sitting with the enemies of God like Peter did, making many mistakes and getting further and further away from God. This morning you can be restored. You can be restored to Christ just as Peter was. If you're not a Christian, you can become baptized. This morning we have elders here who would, who would love to talk with you, pray with you, and to ask for forgiveness of your sins or to help you be baptized for the remission of your sins. If we can be of any assistance to you this morning, would you please come forward now as we stand and sing.